0: Hello and welcome to Comedy in a Nutshell, a podcast by me, Mock Decano. But who am I? Well, I've seen multiple performances from over 800 comedians, from Abby Murphy to Zenjiro Kamikaze, in some of the grandest theatres and dingiest pubs, and even on a boat and on a bus. Fair to say, I'm a comedy fan. I love talking to comedians about comedy, and if you like listening to what they have to say as much as I do, then please like, subscribe, review, rate and share the podcast. My guest on this episode, studied in comedy as a teenager and has made huge strides in a few short years with awards and TV appearances in a career addressing what he describes as racism, politics and pigeons. It's stand-up comedian, Michael O'Dowale. Michael, hello, good morning. How's it going, you right? I'm very good, I'm very good. Thank you so much for joining me, I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, thanks for having me, man. I was just um, glad we can finally do this, yeah. We'll just kick off. Yeah, let's do it.
0: Tell me, first of all, how did comedy come into your life? How did you get started with it?
1: Mm, it's a good origin story. Uh, I was about 17. I think when I did my first gig, uh, mm-hmm. it was just like in sixth form. But um, I was about to finish sixth form going to uni. Mm-hmm. And it was just something I've always wanted to do. And I was like, I want to try it one time before I go to uni, just to see if I've got any of the chops. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I was going to go into uni to study history and politics, but it mm-hmm. wasn't really my passion. So I was just like, I want to see if something's here. And to be honest, after the first one, there wasn't really, <laughs> you know, the first gig was kind of nothing. It was like, I had like a three minute, I think it was downstairs at the King's Head uh, in King's Cross, Right, and uh, I had like a three minute set. And I couldn't really gauge whether it went good or bad, to be honest with you, because <laughs> it was just so quick. Do you know what I mean? And I was probably rushing my words that they might have just been laughing out of politeness. (laughs) But um, so I did another one in a couple months later. I think that one was um, So You Think You're Funny. That was a heat. Right. And that one was was amazing. Do you know what I mean? And from there, I was like I went into uni, Mm -hmm. still studying history and politics, but like knowing I wanted to, to, to pursue the comedy as far as I could take it. So it was just from there, really yeah almost 10 years ago yeah crazy yeah and when did you see it as a career do you know what after that second one I think I was like I want to make this a career and yeah so from there obviously I only really went professional a few years ago but from there I kind of saw myself as a comedian right I think a lot of comedians are like hesitant to call themselves comedians (laughs) to to give themselves that official title until Mm. like years down the line but in my head, from that second one day, I was like, I feel like I'm a comedian.
0: Yeah. So when you come out of university, did you did you get your degree in politics and history?
1: I did, I did. So I was I was doing comedy all throughout uni. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like the whole way through, I was just that was my time on the open mic circuit.
0: Yeah.
1: And I actually, really appreciated going to uni because it gave me that safety net right. of being able to gig, but having something like education to do as well. So it it never felt like Mm. I was just all in comedy. I, I had something to 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 fall back on, which I think just kind of made the whole process a bit smoother yeah. for me, actually. Um, but yeah, out of uni, that's like I, I just worked part time jobs and was just doing comedy yeah. the, uh, the whole time as well. Yeah.
0: So 2016, mm-hmm. you were finalist on the BBC New Comedy Award.
1: Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. that. I lost that one. Yeah.
0: With uh, previous podcast alumnus Lauren Patterson was a finalist as well, I think that year. Oh, really? She's done it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um finalist in the Total Student Comedy Award.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was the you know, that was that was a good year mm-hmm. in terms of 2016 was I remember finishing up uni and obviously been doing a history degree, but didn't know what I wanted to do. And it was kind of that thing of like, oh man, like what's next to me? Because yeah. I do actually, you know, obviously comedy, there's no straight career path you don't know how to progress in it so i was like i'm gonna leave uni what what happens next um but in that year i I made those two finals Uh, i also got signed that year by Mm -hmm. my my agency and it was just kind of like like a real confidence boost of like i embrace the unknown Mm -hmm. uh but it's going to be okay um you know just just keep doing what you're doing go find a part-time job
0: yeah and
1: just keep banging out gigs and yeah so five years ago and just been still following that same mentality since.
0: Yeah. And how far did you, having done history and politics, how far did you see that as being uh, something that you would want to include in your comedy career?
1: Do you know, it, it, it wasn't like something planned. Mm. It's just, I think obviously politics, it's an awareness of the world around you on a, on a social and political scale, mm-hmm. which I think I just naturally have always put into my comedy. Um, and then obviously history is that is that ability to really analyze something and knowing how to write properly and, you know, uh, make your point, mm-hmm. um, propose something, make a point, all of that stuff. And it wasn't like something I naturally planned for them to link in all with each other. It's just something like I probably liked history and... Politics, mm. for the same reason I like comedy, because that's just how my mind works. So right. it's only when you look back on it, you'd be like, oh, do you know what? All these things are kind of interlinked yeah. into how I approach, how I see the world. You know?
0: Yeah. Is it is it important to, for you to have a a political message or to make a statement when you're doing comedy, or are you just finding those those topics to get the laugh from?
1: Yeah, I'm not. I not I wouldn't say I'm a, overtly a political comic. It's mm. not as if I'm um, reading what's the, the, the world to rights and things like yeah. that. I think it's just, for example, if I'm talking about something like race or, you know, my, my Edinburgh show is about sort of protests and how I'm not really involved. It It's yeah. always kind of my, what I'm doing in relation to these things. I'm not really talking about these things. I'm talking yeah. about where do I fit in in, in, in all of this? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't feel comfortable just like going on stage and being like oh this party is terrible this (laughs) it's not you know respect the comics that do that but it's just not how i it's not how i talk in in every day i always try and find sort of the nuances and stuff yeah so it's the same way i I approach on stage i just apply everything to myself and the conflicts i have in my head around everything yeah,
0: it's interesting that when you talk about topics like politics and like you've just said, it's kind of it's your approach, but you're looking at it from the outside. You're not you're not like the angry young man of politics. Yeah, yeah. I've heard you um, described as being charming and affable, and it's very much you're an outside observer of the topics you're talking about. Is that a conscious decision?
1: Um, I don't I don't know if it is. I mean, I guess you know you 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 subconsciously just end up writing the way that feels natural yeah. to you. Um if there was a if I did feel like um sort of talking directly about something, I don't know if I would shy away from that. Mm. But my priority is always to just be funny first,
0: yeah.
1: And for me, that's not funny, just talking directly on a topic. I like to find mm. uh sort of an abstract or sort of an outsider's way in because that's most interesting to me. Yeah. So I, I I wouldn't say I do anything on purpose. It's it's mainly just like how does how does it feel natural for me to be saying it, right. and for, for me to be thinking it. And that's just how I always think.
0: Yeah. So a couple of years after your um being a finalist, you were part of the Pleasance
1: Comedy Reserve. How was that experience for you? Yeah. Who did I go up with? I went up with Helen Bauer, mm-hmm. I was doing great things. Uh, Chloe Pets, yeah. Jack Leder. Yeah, it was nice to be. That was that was my first Edinburgh for a whole month. Yeah. Obviously. I come into the sort of comedy world hearing about Edinburgh, but it just all felt very inaccessible to me in terms of, you know, having to spend a month out there, paying the rent, you know, mm. flying, which I yeah, I didn't want to do. I didn't, have, <laughs> I didn't want to fly. Um, so that was a way to sort of get an experience of Edinburgh, having obviously a paid for accommodation, having a, a ready set audience. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was, it was good. It's challenging. It's not, they're not easy shows, yeah. Not easy shows because it's tough when people aren't really coming for you. Do you know what I mean? They're coming, uh-huh. I guess, for the concept of the show mm-hmm. uh, in itself. So you have to win them over every night. Which, yeah, I guess you do that the same in, on on any comedy night. But I don't know why it just felt a little bit different out there. Maybe you could feel maybe some audience, maybe in my head about it. Or like, oh, these are the the upcomers. We'll prove it then. You know what I mean, there was a, <laughs> yeah. a little bit of that in in the room. Yeah. But uh, and that's good. I think Edinburgh is a good concept for just having a month to just figure out your set, you know what I mean? Figure out the best way to deliver, figure out new angles. You don't really get too many opportunities to do that outside of Edinburgh. So it is good mm. for that. Yeah, It's just at a big cost. Uh,
0: yeah, for sure. How did the experience change for you from the, when you started at the beginning of the month and then a month in? What kind of uh, changes? What was the difference between the beginning and the end?
1: Um, well, apart from, I guess, being broken mentally, um, <laughs> you know, I think it's just a, a level of, um, professionalism, do you know what I mean? In terms of knowing you're set inside out, mm. knowing, um, I think I'm, I'm very good at being sort of playing every room professionally, do you know what I mean? Playing every room in terms of whether it's five people or 500 people, mm. you know, in terms of giving it the same enthusiasm because they've come out and and paid for what they've paid for um i think maybe something i could have learned better from that was learning how to improvise a bit more when i look back on it do you know what i mean right okay um just in terms of being a bit looser and you know that's something that even today as a comic i i, I could still work on you know i've I'm, I'm never really been too much of a crowd work comedian. <laughs> do you know what i mean i honestly because i, obviously cause I I write a lot Spend a lot of time I write And i am always Kind of had the mentality <laughs> You've come to see me Deliver what I've got Do you know what I mean mm. Where But there are benefits Just for embracing Whatever chaos is in the room And I think that just Kind of develops As you get older As a comic And mm. I'm better at it now But it's something I, I probably need to work on mm.
0: Okay
1: But most times I'm like No I I worked hard On this thing I wrote I'm going to give you This thing I wrote <laughs> you got to embrace Both sides Both sides Yeah
0: do you have a sit down writing process, or do you just kind of as, as something occurs to you, you tap it into your phone, that sort of thing?
1: Uh, no, I, I do. I do there's, there's something special about putting a pen to a paper. Hmm. I feel like there, there's something in terms of even just the way you're writing it. You know, you could be really excited writing it, and then I feel like that that shows when you end up delivering it for the, for the first time. And yeah. you know, obviously, like if I have to, if I got no pen and paper on me, I always try and carry a notepad, but I'll put it on my phone. Hmm. I do like that process of 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 writing it on paper because you can. It's not about crossing something out, editing in, putting something in. I just feel more excited when I'm writing with pen and paper, yeah. and then when I, when I feel like it's more ready, I'll transfer it to my laptop and you know hmm. just kind of put it all together on there. But no, nah, I always think uh, pen and paper is just more special, more connected.
0: Yeah. So a year after Pleasant's Review, you then went back up with your debut show. I did. Yeah, Black Bears Matter and uh, Best Newcomer nomination straight away. I mean, that's got to be pretty exhilarating after you only your second visit to Edinburgh. Isn't it?
1: Yeah, that was. Um, yeah, I was real nervous about growing up with that with that first show, but it was when I look back on it, it was a really really cool experience in terms of. I'd heard so much about how you have to change what you do for Edinburgh mm. in terms of. It's, it, you know, they say it's a more of a theatery experience, so you have to be less joke heavy and you have to have that thing at the 45 minute yeah. mark where you get yeah. sort of <laughs> emotional and cry about something. And mm. but like for me, when I when I look back at cause I always find it weird that this idea you have to separate the series from the comedy, because you're supposed to put it you're supposed to mix it all together. That's what makes comedy special. Mm. You know, when you even look at, you know, I don't know if you ever watched like those old Def Jam. You know, videos from like the (laughs) nineties,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: stuff like that. You know, comedians would be talking about real shit. You know, we talking about, you know, police brutality or whatever. Mm -hmm. But their priority was making it funny as possible, making people howl, laughter, slap their knees, all of that stuff. Yeah. So for me, like this idea that it becomes more important when you separate it, Mm -hmm. it just didn't make sense. You're supposed to mix it all together. That's 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 so. For me, that that was the priority. If I'm talking about protesting and, and and the world around me mm-hmm. you know how can i mix it all together and make it something i could take into edinburgh but also i can take these bits and i can do them in a club mm-hmm. and so i felt like that's what it was good for me edinburgh in terms of doing the show the way i wanted to do it yeah. and and still getting a nomination at, at the end was was important to me. I, i'm very proud of that show i think is it's like because yeah. it's joke heavy which is which is how i like it um and I, but at the same time, it, I don't think it takes away from any of the, of the points mm. that I tried to make throughout. So, no, I, yeah, the whole experience was was, was, was really cool. Yeah. Again, expensive, though, but cool. Yeah,
0: And, of course, the same year it won Best New Show at Leicester and Hastings. So, again, okay, nomination at Edinburgh, but also a show a winner as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that was great because the, the Leicester one was in February. Mm. So... It was kind of like I remember I did that in like a 50 seat room and I was still working it out so I didn't even know any award people in the room, mm. but it was like a like a nice confidence boost to be like oh, okay there's there's something here do you yeah. know what I mean so that that gave me the confidence to take it out to Edinburgh and do it the way I, I wanted to do it and yeah i'm a i'm I'm happy with that as a first body of work mm. just you know yeah yeah, I'm happy with that, that. <laughs>
0: It. yeah because you did you took the show to soho theater and that's now available on amazon prime so you can you no know, listeners to this can go on and watch it it's on the uh third season of soho
1: live yeah yeah check it out you know that was important to me as well just in yeah. terms of having a body of work and being able to film it put it out somewhere so it's not lost yeah. you know because sometimes you know i talk to acts and they'll say oh, i'm on my seventh or eighth hour out in edinburgh and, mm. but they haven't Filmed any of them, even just to put out on YouTube or anything. I'm like that's yeah. such a, a waste of your creativity, you know. Like if you if you make something, you want as many people as possible to see it. So mm. just like whatever happens next in my comedy career, just to be able to say I I have something to show for my first, you know, mm. a, almost ten years doing this, yeah. you know. And then whatever happens next happens next. But that, that first album, if you <laughs> want to put it like that, is 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 available to it's been recorded. So
0: yeah, yeah. So what about the difficult second album then?
1: That's that's very true. That's very true. I've been, uh, you know, probably next year is when I'll, when I'll tackle that one. But um, I, I've COVID for a couple of years as an excuse for not writing.
0: <laughs> well, the last couple of years, uh, you've had some TV.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've got a couple of things.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mock the Week, uh, MASH Report, Stand Up Sketch Show and others.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Mock the Week was, was kind of like a surreal one in terms of yeah, obviously, haven't watched it as a younger youngster, mm. and then being on it, but just in COVID times, yeah. So the audience is on that massive Zoom Zoom screen,
0: yeah,
1: and then like, you're already nervous, and then you, you're telling the joke, and there's a three second delay in terms of <laughs> what they laugh at. and not, and then so yeah. But I, I managed to do that twice, and mm. then and then they cancelled it not soon after. So I don't know if those two are related, but um, <laughs> yeah. I was on there. And
0: how was the TV? I mean, I know it was a, a different time, let's say, how was the TV experience as opposed to uh, the live room experience for you?
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's different because obviously everyone's really nice on Greek um <laughs> beforehand, but then, you know, when the show starts, the show has started, you know what I mean? Everyone's trying to get their, their lines away and, yeah, sure. you know what I mean? And you, you, you kind of have a little bit of an existential, like, oh, I'm on the show, like, I need to, I'm not watching, I'm involved, you know what I <laughs> mean? I've, I've, uh, <laughs> Or like there'll be something like oh, I'm cheap, but I didn't really pay for a writer. Some people have writers, and I was like, "No, I'm gonna do it all myself." But then, when like the one line you had, someone's done something that's like pretty much your line. You're like, "Ah, oh, I, maybe I should have had someone help me think of like maybe four or five other things to say about this yeah. topic about political whatever."
0: Yeah,
1: but so it was, a, it was a real learning curve just trying to being in that environment, and again saying about learning how to improvise, you know, because mm. obviously just like getting involved in what other people are saying. I, I think probably my best moment on Mock the Week was just some, a, a random bit of improvisation that they ended up putting in, in the show. So it's just like just learning how to, obviously you know how to write, but just yeah. be naturally a funny person. If you mm. be present in the room, you're going to spot things and you're going to know how to to deal with that. And um, yeah, so just trusting your instincts, it's it's a big thing in comedy as well
0: yeah do you have experiences on tv or or doing a uh, live uh, mixed bill where you saw other comedians and you go ah i like the way that they're approaching it they're now my one of my peers is now inspiring me to think about things differently
1: well you know um there's a comedian called russell hicks mm-hmm. um american comedian yeah and in to- talking about crowd work and improvisation i think he's kind of widely recognized on the circuit as one of the best mm-hmm. at being able to talk to someone and not just do standard, you know, oh, what do you do for a job? Yeah. You're a mechanic, or what your mechanic, all of you? mechanics lately. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs>
0: yeah. You'll like
1: build a world around what they say and it will bring the whole audience in and they'll leave feeling like they're part of a community. I think that's the best shows. Um, when you leave feeling like you've been part of something, you know, yeah. I think that's why people love callbacks so much in comedy. It's like, oh, I know that's an in-joke. I'm mm-hmm. part of it. It's like a you know what I mean? So he's one of the best at that. So um seeing him, you know, Kurd mm-hmm. is also yeah. great. Just all, all all comedians who their material is sharp, but they also know to leave space for being in a room. Mo Gilligan, you know. Um mm-hmm. you know, just just some of these names like that and then yeah. um Dane Baptiste, you know, I could I'd go all day, but you know. <laughs>
0: Were there people inspiring you when you started out in comedy or when you were growing up? Were there people that you aspired that helped you on that road to comedy to sort of say, yeah, they're the people that, that uh, mean something to me?
1: Yeah, I mean, when I when I was um, coming up, because uh, I'm signed by agency, Up The Creek, UTC Management. yeah. And I used to go to Up The Creek because they had um, a competition called The Blackout, yep. where you get two minutes grace to tell your jokes. Then after two minutes, they can start carding you and voting you off the stage. And I used to go there. And I, I I'd do well there, mm. but at the back sometimes they'd be they'd be the comics who signed by UTC. So it'd be Dane Baptiste, to be K and Mo and mm. uh Elias. and these were like the legit big comics. And I'd see those guys, and I'd be like, I want to be where they are <laughs> one day. I want to be in that group one day. So like, I, yeah, even now I look I look back on it and like the fact that these guys know who I am and they kind of um you know see me mm. as a you know legit comedian like that's that's the kind of things like forgetting the accolades
0: mm.
1: you know it's it's just getting respect from people who see you as their peers you know yeah that's 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 the real reward i think from doing this you know
0: it's interesting you say that because I talk to people about variously about um you know getting uh, awards, getting nominations, getting that kind of recognition either through um industry or or, or, or uh, an awards panel or what have you. But it's interesting there that you say that for you it sounds like predominantly it's it's that recognition just from other people within who do what you do. Would you say that that's fair?
1: Yeah, I mean, no, no disrespect to the, to the comedy panel people, you know, they sure. they know they know comedy. Uh, And they watch a lot of comedy, but a lot of them, they're not comedians. So the biggest respect comes from the people who do what you do. And they'll be like, I like the way you write. I like the way you do this. And that's when every comedian, if you remember when you first started, that's what you wanted. Mm. You know, you'd go to an open mic and it'd be a terrible open mic, but maybe a big comedian has come down to try some stuff Mm. and you'd be watching them like, oh my goodness, like that's how you do this. How do I get there? Yeah, and then now you're there. Do you know? What I mean? And now that person just talks to you like a normal human being, like, oh, you know, like, <laughs> you're like you going into a green room of a established comedy club and nobody's looking at you, like, yeah. well, you just belong there, you know?
0: Yeah,
1: like going backstage at the, the comedy store and getting a beer at the fridge, and nobody's <laughs> like, where's this guy getting a beer at the fridge? He's not being that. <laughs> like-. Yeah, you know I mean, it, 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 I'm beer level now. That, 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 that's that's all you really wanted to be able to get a beer, and not be judged <laughs> <laughs> by, by by the other comics. I like that.
0: Um, having been in comedy now for some while, have you learned any sort of key lessons? Have you developed any philosophies that you you now you kind of live by when you're going forward? Um, I think
1: some things for me is just calmness, right? Um. um you know, I think I used to be quite... I'm trying to find a word, Liz. Mm-hmm. I think I used to be able to present calmness, but I wasn't feeling calm inside a lot of times when I was on stage. Right. But now I think a lot more I'm up there and I, I feel more in control. And um, I think it, it shows as more authentic. Do you know what I mean? So in terms of just having confidence in mm. yourself and in what you are able to do mm. as opposed to going to a room and thinking, I have to pr- bring this energy or I have to be this person. And it's just like, no, I do what I do and mm. I'm confident that they're going to appreciate that. Yeah. And uh, I just think it makes you from a-, a more authentic uh, comedian and people end up remembering you a lot more. They always say people don't always remember every specific joke mm. but they'll remember how you made them feel do you know what I mean so <laughs> I feel like you present that authentic self you know it, it 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 resonates yeah so I feel like that 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 level of like calm and collected is always something I try and portray uh because mm. like sometimes you do gigs right and then then obviously it's a Saturday night Friday night it could be quite rowdy so you feel like you need to be more of a geezer and <laughs> doing all that stuff and I don't I don't think that's necessarily the case sometimes you can portray your authority just by being your authentic self because mm-hmm. you know some mm-hmm. crowds you know they're dicks they'll prey on weakness so the moment you show that you they'll try and but I, I I feel like what is the yeah I don't know if there's any young comics listening I feel like if you just and it just takes time yeah. you know I'm still figuring out who I am after 10 years. Not just as a comic as a person you know I'm twenty seven so I'm still figuring myself out but I feel like the more the more you portray your authentic self is gonna make for a better experience for everybody yeah
0: have you encountered anything um as a comedian that was completely unexpected something that just surprised you about what it means to be a comedian
1: hmm. um a lot of it is it's, it's quite boring I guess. In terms of, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I guess you think like entertainment industry, it's going to be all, you know, a bit raucous. And then hmm. I just like, I think actually a lot of times when you're coming up as a comic, you're thinking, oh man, this this is going to be this this crazy thing all the time. And then I think the past few years when I've become more established, it's like, oh, it's, just, it's a lot of traveling. Yeah,
0: It's
1: a lot of admin. It's a lot of invoicing. It's a lot of traveling five hours, doing 20 minutes and then traveling straight back five hours. And, yeah. you know, in terms of sometimes you'll feel like, especially as a younger comic, you're like, I've always got to chase the night. Yeah. You know, I've done the gig. <laughs> now I've got to go out and be crazy. It's like, no, nah, you just you do your job. You, you 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 go home and, you know, you find a, a, a routine that 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 works for you, especially I think as an artist, you think oh, I've got to be free and all the time and I've got to be whatever. And it's like, no, nah, sometimes you need to, sit down send some emails do some writing and you'll find that almost a boring structure will free you more creatively yeah rather than feeling like you need to be you know going crazy all, all, all the time you know yeah. um, so I feel like that that element has been like that realization of like oh like you can just be normal <laughs> and that'll actually make you a better better artist yeah do you um do you watch comedy, like like lots of stand up?
0: Yeah, uh, or even you no, know, like sitcom or whatever. Are you able, are you able to watch it as a as a viewer, or do you have to watch it as a comedian? Can you separate the two things?
1: Do you know? It's a good question. I don't know if I've ever separated how I'm watching something. Right. I just always like if I'm watching something, I'm being like if, I, if I'm analyzing it. Mm. I always just thought I'm analyzing it as a viewer, but I don't know if I'm maybe I'm an, I'm analyzing it as a, as a comedian. Yeah. Because I, I, I guess I'm not a big, especially if I'm watching something on the, on the television, I'm not a big outward laughter, outward laugher and something. Yeah. But it's not like I'm suppressing it either, like I was yeah. like, <laughs> in competition with them. But I guess I'm just always more like, oh, that's a good bit right there. Yeah. I like the way it's formed. But I just always felt like I was doing it as a viewer. But I guess I am doing it as a, as a comedian. Mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm guilty of I don't watch enough new stuff. I kind of, I have like the classics... In, in my terms of, like, the comedy specials that I love and mm. routines that I love, and I tend to watch those a lot on repeat and just see how they did it and almost, like, recite the lines like it was music. But mm. I think what I could be a lot better at is, like, watching different types of, of comedy and mm. being being more of a student of everything. I don't really do that enough. All right. I think in that sense, I find it tough to to watch comedy as a, as a comedian, just because it's like it's not always what you want to do in your spare time I guess <laughs> but it is a good way to just explore what's what's going out in the world and you know just pick up things but yeah I, I get a lot of my inspiration from like films and and, and music and hearing how different artists mm-hmm. approach topics kind of tends to inspire me more to be to be honest
0: yeah yeah if you're on a mixed bill do you do you arrive early or stay late to watch the other acts
1: Oh not <laughs> probably or not. Sometimes, 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 like, obviously if it's like someone I'm like, oh, my goodness, I've not seen them before and I know they're really good, I'll, right. I'll try and get there early. But most times it's more my own poor timekeeping than any disrespect <laughs> when it comes to not watching people. Yeah. But, like, sometimes if it's like, if I've had a tough time, mm. it's good to sort of stay and watch the next person yeah like partly hoping they have a tough time too so i could be like all right cool or just me but then being humble enough to see how if they kill it to be like do you know what this room was playable Mm. i just couldn't figure out the right frequency to play it but they did and what did they do to do that you know
0: yeah it's interesting sometimes i see an audience and i think well you know the the comedian they've just seen was great but they weren't they weren't ready for that person. They're waiting for the headline act or whoever they came to yeah. see that one and they're not open to it. But other other times, yeah. you know, I know the act I've come to see is is coming and I am open to whatever comes now and you can see a completely different side of, of, of people. It's quite interesting.
1: Yeah, like there, there are maybe just sometimes certain frequencies that you can't hit and or there might just be a cap mm. to what you're able to do with a certain audience and then just someone else. And sometimes you have to accept, I'm I'm, I'm very big on um just letting gigs go after I've done them yeah good or bad I'm good at just like letting it go and being like that that is what that was you yeah. know every comedian's had the experience of being in a car show with somebody and they're like <laughs> torturing themselves over the over how it went and
0: yeah.
1: you have to listen to it because most oftentimes they're driving um <laughs> so, yeah, you have to sort of nurse them um but most, most times, if it's good or bad, I'll be like, you know, that that is what that was. I'll, I'll shake it off, yeah, um, and then move on to the next one. Yeah,
0: you don't replay it over and over
1: like some do, <laughs> losing sleep uh, over your... There might be parts here and there where I yeah. do that, but then what do they say is like a twenty four hour rule, right? Good or good or bad gig, you know, you kind of process it and it'd be like, you know, because most time, if you're gigging, you know, you might be gigging four or five times a week, you know, mm. you can't just have them all in your head like that. You're gonna it's gonna stop you from. Um, um being a present for the next one Yeah I guess my thing is I don't really watch my sets back and Or listen to them back And I probably should do that more All Right In terms of Because there's certain bad habits You might not even know you do Like I probably still Hold on to the mic stand
0: mm-hmm.
1: Too much okay. Or You know Like Someone told me there was a joke I had And I wasn't enunciating a word Properly <laughs> to so kind of stop them from like understanding it. like, "Oh, you pronounce it like that? All right, cool." You know, things <laughs> like that. Like, I think I was like I had a joke about quinoa and I was pronouncing quinoa. Yeah. <laughs> and I, was like, I don't know what can always oh, pronounce quinoa. All right, cool. I didn't I didn't know that. Being that's another thing. Just being humble enough to um take advice. Um mm. I think all comedians like most comedians respect advice from other comedians. But sometimes even an audience member, you know, depending on how they say it, yeah. can because that is the people we're performing to. So depending yeah. on how they say something, you know, it is worth um, taking on board, you know. Because mm. I think a lot of people talk about that whole cancel culture thing and people being too sensitive. But I don't know, if somebody comes up to me and say, this joke was, I didn't really enjoy it mm. or for whatever reason. Right. I'll will listen you know I might not necessarily change what I'll do but I'm not going to be um rude or dismissive about it I'll, mm. I'll I'll reflect on on the bit you know and if yeah. I feel like the intention is still pure mm. I'll be like All right, cool I might be like you know what maybe I could change this word or do something like that but yeah um you know you you, you have to be open to to, listening to people that's that's what we do you know yeah
0: do you get a lot of people coming up to you after shows and pointing None. out things that you could have done better or differently?
1: No, I think if it's happening too much, I think you do need to have a good um, look through the whole set potentially. Um, but <laughs> no, no. I can think of like a couple of times where you're talking about sensitive topics and it's like, you know, maybe I could change. I still want to tell this joke, but maybe I don't have to say this word. I could make it this word. Or yeah. maybe I could put more in the premise uh, to let people know that the position that I'm coming from, do you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, you still have to, if you believe in the, the the your joke, trust your instincts, do you know what I mean? But also prepare for any consequences of trusting your instincts. Yeah, Prepare for consequences in terms of maybe like feedback, not violence. Really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What
0: about um, heckling? feedback mm. before the show and feedback during the show two very different things i mean how do
1: you that's, that's uh yeah, yeah. Do you get that how do you deal with that i oh, mean yeah, yeah if you could save that just for afterwards that'd be that'd be better <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah no i mean you you do I don't, I don't get heckled a lot um it's not i don't think it's as prevalent i think after lockdown right those first few months after lockdown audiences were a bit weird right um cuz they just hadn't been in big groups for a while yeah so they were like excited kids and Sometimes it wasn't all from a malicious place. Um, like, oh, I do that too. i, mean, I oh, good. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's the whole point, kind of. Really, you know what I mean? Um, um, but then you, I think you handle everyone, um, every situation. You know, personally, yeah. I, I was doing a gig a few weeks ago and Christmas time and. I knew it was going to be bad because the, the the venue, they put a Christmas tree on the stage. And I was like, they shouldn't do that. You're, you're inciting people to be too festive and jolly. And, um, <laughs> I had this drunk lady and she was just saying random words during my set. I was just, she'd be like Johannesburg. Mm. And i will be like, I don't know. There's nothing in my set that's even remotely related to the capital of South Africa. You know what I mean? Um but then she she comes up on stage and it's like wrestling the mic with me for a bit.
0: Wow!
1: And, and she had to be dragged out by the audience, by the um security hmm. um because she, she just really wanted to name South African cities. And, <laughs> I mean, and then so she dragged out something like that. There's not really much you could do with that um, crowd <laughs> work wise to make it seem seamless, um, especially because she had a surprisingly strong grip on the, on the mic. <laughs> I <put> it, um, <laughs> I thought I would just take it back and be like, give me that. But no, she was was like, I'll let you have that for a minute. (laughs) She had to be pulled away. And then after that, I mean, the audience are pretty much on your side. So you just kind of ride it out until you leave. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. I think you just sometimes you have to embrace the chaos a little bit. Don't always try and look professional all the time. Just embrace the chaos. This is happening. I'm going to let it happen. And then I'm going to talk about it after. Yeah. You know?
0: (laughs) that's fascinating i was uh, i was at a split bill recently and mm-hmm. um there was a heckler in the audience who just clearly thought they were contributing they were helping and um yeah. the first act kind of let it go where she wanted to take it and just like yeah. bumping it along and and trying to ride the wave kind of thing and yeah. the second actually this uh, heckler decided to contribute again and the okay. second act
1: just went nope and just shut it down
0: <laughs> you know, so, yeah my turn you stop now kind of thing <laughs>
1: yeah you've got know got when to do that because sometimes <laughs> you can have a little back and forth when it's like All right, you know this, yeah. this is me this is mine you know what i mean so you, you've got to know when to because you know it's, it's annoying for the other audience members so sometimes you do have to mm. eventually you know shut that down pull the plug yeah on whatever they do yeah
0: you mentioned lockdown so mm. you're going you're coming out of uh 2019 riding the wave and then the comedy
1: industry closes. Yeah. How was that experience for you? It was all right, you know. It was all right. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I um was at a little point anyway mm. where I was a bit uninspired and uncreative. And well, that, I didn't stop during the lockdown. I continued mm. all the way throughout there. But I just feel like having a little break. Mm. I didn't want a 15 month potentially not coming back type break that's yeah. not what I asked for but <laughs> just having some space and I picked up some positive habits that I, I started I started journaling mm-hmm. a bit more and um, you know just writing your thoughts down on paper every day and but like not in a trying to be funny way yeah it kind of frees you up to be funnier mm. you know it's almost like it's part of my routine now I I, I journal mm-hmm. and I try and write jokes for a little bit and then you end up seeing angles and, you know, you read back in your journals, especially over lockdown and yeah. things you say that you were just being honest because it wasn't written for anyone else, it's written for you. But you look back and you're like, you know, what, that is funny, I didn't even notice it. <laughs> those, are, those are the funniest perspectives sometimes when you're not trying to be funny
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, or there might just be a line or a sentence I wrote. And I'd be like, I'm going I'm to try and work on that for a little bit. So that was definitely beneficial. And-
0: yeah.
1: You know, I started meditating as as, as well. Um, I just picked up a couple positive habits. I, w- I was lucky in, in that sense during, during lockdown. I know a lot of people kind of went crazy, mm. but it kind of gave me some space to kind of be still.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, I think that's, that's a kind of benefited my, my comedy. So I was saying earlier, just being calm and more authentic on stage. I think that probably came from that period where I was able to sort of have un- uninterrupted time to mm. to do these positive habits you know yeah
0: so how then given your newfound calmness do you handle <laughs> the nerves the uh do you still have the anxiety before going on stage even for the briefest time
1: yeah yeah not all gigs yeah but like for example the uh, other day i was um there was the uh is the black british takeover mm. you know mo gilligan has a, has a gig and I was on the bill, yeah. so that was at the O2 Arena, yeah. and obviously that's twenty thousand people. You know, I'm I'm first on. You are like, oh shit, this is crazy. This, <laughs> yeah. this is another yeah. level of anything I've ever done. You know, ten times any type of crowd I've ever performed to, and yeah. you know, just a whole new experience in the an arena. And then you know, you go up you know, you're you're nervous the whole day, right? And then thirty seconds before. You're about to be on stage. I think that's when all that stuff I've been doing kind of helped because I just kind of switched to a state of like I'm ready now. Do you know what I mean? Also, I can't leave. I'm <laughs> there's nowhere to go, even if I wanted to leave. So just be calm. Do what you need to do, and even playing a stage like that is it's it's crazy because you know you're first on. So there's people still walking in. You know mm. the mic is so loud you can kind of only hear yourself. So, yeah. you know, most gigs you do, when you're nervous about them, you hear that first laugh, yeah. that first big laugh, and it calms you. You're in the O2 arena in this massive... It's, it's not, O2 arena is not built for comedy, is it? Like, you know, the <laughs> yeah. venue is massive. You've got these massive ceilings. The laughter doesn't trap. Mm. It just kind of goes up. So you're hearing pockets of laughter. So it's fully you having to trust that just do what i know how to do be calm look confident do what i know how to do and trust that they're having a good time because mm. i can't see them i can't really hear them i just have to appear in control and you know i watched some of the footage back and people told me it, it, it went well so it's like cool you know i've had that experience of so having to just fully trust my instincts on stage and yeah you know it worked out it worked out
0: yeah do you think the the comedy industry is um, seeing black comedians or new upcoming comedians in the same way now as, let's say, when you started out? Are, are we are we moving in the right direction is what I'm asking?
1: Yeah, I think we are. I think in terms of it's a lot of black comedians not waiting for industry approval. Mm. It's doing their own thing. And then yeah, industry doesn't know what it wants until it sees what's popular and then it's like oh we want that do you know what i mean so you look at someone like Mo gilligan who started making videos on his phone and then followers started growing and then they were like industry oh shit this is popular and then you've seen where he's been able to take it tv show ojo arena Mm, you know he's he's built he wasn't handpicked he didn't go the edinburgh route yeah where he, he he made his own lane and i think a lot of people have seen that like the profitability of doing that and the the sense of control that you can get from just going your own lane and great thing about mo as well just lifting comics up
0: Mm.
1: you know like i said i'm 27 i'm i'm new in the game he didn't have to put me on on the bill but to give me that opportunity that experience you know now i can't wait to you know do my own version of trying to bring up new comics and and things like that. Yeah. But even even in the mainstream circuit, even in the industry, I feel like there are a lot of, you know, young black acts who are assigned now and getting opportunities now. So it, it definitely, even from when I started 10 years ago, mm. there are a lot more opportunities. And But it's good to just know that you can make your own lane as well. Mm. And that, that applies for everybody, yeah. by the way, not just, just black comics. I think internet is, It's a strange beast, you know, (laughs) trying trying to figure out, you know, the TikToks and the Instagrams and the YouTubes trying to figure out all that out. It's not easy, but you know, that once you figure that out, you have your own audience and you don't have to rely on, you know, being put on, you know, whatever TV show to, to, to make it, you can, you can do it in the way that you specifically want to do it. So I think that that has um, been beneficial for, a lot of black comics and comics in general.
0: Yeah. So what advice would you give to new upcoming comics? How has your experience uh, prepared you to guide the next the next generation?
1: Depends on how new we're talking because if you're mm. still one, two years in priority is the same it's just trying to be good. Yeah. Um, if you're in your first five years of being a comedian personally you don't really want to be seen too much just yet anyway. You want to be good you want to be experienced to know that you can play different rooms, mm-hmm. you know, and because, you know, you, it, let's say you do get seen, you do get exposure, can you back it up? Yeah. Can you can you back up consistently What people now the eyes on you, can you consistently back it up with good content and knowing that you can play different rooms and having that self-confidence in yourself that I am ready because I've put the work in. Mm-hmm. If you can't do that yet, then don't worry too much about exposure because that that will come.
0: Yeah.
1: And then you'll figure out the route that you want to do it in. You know what I mean? Like I said, you know, industry will notice you, they'll sign you, they'll give you TV opportunities, or you could be like, you know what, I'm gonna put out stuff on my phone and or do a podcast or whatever. Yeah. But you're if you're new in the game, like get get good. (laughs) You know, get good, figure it out, play different rooms, figure out your voice. You know, I've been doing this since I was 17. I'm 27 now. I'm still figuring out my voice yeah. just now. You know, I'm still figuring out how I want to tackle certain topics just now. But and now, obviously, I'm getting exposure and and whatnot past few years. And but I have the confidence and of knowing like I've been around. I've been to Scunthorpe. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've I've you know I've done different different rooms. I've I've written loads of jokes, and yeah. you know, as much as I'm still figuring it out, I have that foundation of experience that I've had yeah and but then again at the same time it's up to you as everyone's different so if you're a young comic and you feel like I only need a couple years and now I'm ready to be seen by everybody then you know you might be the the exception to the rule you know Eddie Murphy was huge by was 16 he was on SNL and Mm. things like that so you might be that that person but in my opinion you know just just spend some years just kind of figuring out how you like to do stuff yeah Generally, just how you first tend to be seen is how you will be seen. So you two years in, and you're getting loads of exposure because you've gone the TikTok route and you've built a mass following. And you want to start doing stand-up shows, might not be you years down the line, but you've kind of established yourself as this thing. And, yeah. You know, I feel, I feel like there's just, there's just there's there's more time than you think. There's no there's no need to uh, to rush. It's what my advice is to young comics. Yeah.
0: Brilliant. Michael where can we find out about you where can we find out where you're playing
1: that's a good question I <laughs> uh, you can I got Instagram it's where I tend to do a lot of my social media yeah. and it links to my Facebook now so I don't have to go on <laughs> Facebook and so this is good for me <laughs> um but that's my Cordoale comedy um I post my shows on there post all my content on there it's mainly Instagram stories mm-hmm. talking about football results um which (laughs) is it's just content content. um um, i'm doing a work in progress on december 21st so just trying to figure out the next show and um but i'll be doing lots of in the new year as well trying to trying to figure out what i'm going to do next stand up wise so you can find me on there Mm -hmm. and um yeah that's that's the main main location brilliant
0: so finally the my last question as it always is in line Mm -hmm. with the title of the show is can you please sum up comedy in a nutshell?
1: Damn. Um, boring. Admin. <laughs> 50% admin, 50% fun. Um, let me let me know it. 50% admin, 45% fun, and then the 5% Croatian women trying to wrestle the mic from you <laughs> when you're on stage. Strong Croatian women try to, you know trying to wrestle the mic from you on stage that's a good percentage of what my comedy journey has been
0: (laughs) Michael thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me I really appreciate it thank you
1: thank you for having me on man I appreciate you